this Saturday night, we're doing a field farm dinner. Farm dinner in the field. Dinner in the field. I was trying to remember what was on the glass. <laughs> Ready. All right, perfect. Ready, Eddie. So we are at the Shop Beer Co. in Tempe, Arizona. Hashtag, would we just come up with a hashtag? The Axel Rose of Tempe, <laughs> David Arntz. <laughs> I got some guests with me. This is a pretty cool setup. So we have the original kegs from Cartel, right? When you guys were brewing with Cartel? That's right. Yeah, these Man. eight kegs were the whole company when we first started. The whole company. Now they're just holding up mic stands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't uh, progressed very far in five years. <laughs> Collected you know some dust. This is pretty cool, though. I offered to buy them. Dave's like, no, these things are not for sale. Well, no, they're not fit for sale. There's they're five. Ah, oh, okay, okay, yeah. OSHA <laughs> regulations. Policy, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I got some guests with me. David is one of my guests. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Mark Ryan, owner of Riba Farms. Riba Farms. And over here, taking pictures. Hey, hey. I think I got coerced into this today. I think you did. I think you did. But <laughs> I, you don't mind being behind the microphone. Look who walked in the door. It's Michael Hanwalk. <laughs> <laughs> the famous host of uh, Who Walks in the Door. Tri-host, is it? A tri-host? Is that what it would Trifecta. be? Trifecta. Trifecta host, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to get another one of those in the book soon, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now that Definitely. I have no job. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, David Arnes, Arnes. yeah. yeah Axel Rose of Tempe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna hit sticks. it until it That'll sticks. That'll be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're here. We're talking about an event that's coming up this Saturday um, at at your farm, Mark. Yes, out in Santan Valley. We've yeah. been out there now just about a year. Uh, we did have another farm over in Gilbert. Sold that one. We found this place out in Santan, a little bit farther east, about another twenty-five miles. Um, the property was it's 3.3 acres it's irrigated it's also got a well on it it was a farm actually uh, back in its previous day so I didn't have uh, a whole lot to do but it had been vacant for 12 years took us about a month to clear the property get all the trees and everything off it and I was very fortunate to find the original owner and at that time it was called the crooked carrot so I could get an idea of how the infrastructure was laid for his water pipes. And we still had tons and tons of repair to do, but uh, fell in love with the little place. And uh, we have slowly, I, I lived in a fifth wheel trailer for the last year okay. while I built a new barn and a new house. Um, I'm living, a, I live small, don't live big or outside my means. So I built a little steel house. It's actually a 30 by 40 steel shed with an apartment inside of it or a hangar house. Yeah. And then our our barn, our big barn, is 80 by 50. So uh, the whole idea of getting the buildings in place, we have a real strong microgreens business with the farm, which is all an indoor grow. Uh, Safeway Albertsons is our big customer, and I had to make the transition from our old building to the new building. In within a week's time, I couldn't miss an order, um, so it was very difficult and very expensive to try and do that transition. On Tuesday, we delivered product to Safeway Albertsons. They actually come out to us at, at the old building, and then on Thursday, we did our second delivery at the new building. So wow, different properties, right? different Not, properties, wow. 25 miles apart. <laughs> oh, man. So we had to build two different grow rooms, two of everything, and then. Um, when we sold, I had to get out of the building. We sold it, and um, the new owner was anxious to get in there. So it was it was massive cleanup. But 
And then the soil crops out there, we've done a great job picking it all up. Um, I am a composter. I believe in composting. We have what's called the Riba Food Rescue Program, which is where I met these famous folks many years ago when we started collecting. Actually, back then it was just coffee grains from Coffee Cartel. Oh, okay. We used them in our composting program, and then we started picking up the spent grain. Uh, The brewery grain is extremely valuable to us, Um, so is the coffee um, in our program. And we have found that when we mix organic material with the high mineral content of the desert soil, um, we get a really great growing mix, and we grow quite a bit of food. Actually, thousands and thousands of pounds of food on a weekly basis out of that little acreage. So we're regenerative farming, which is a new word out there, um, where we're trying to take care of the earth. We, you know, when we look at the farm where a conventional bank doesn't like us because we don't make a lot of money. Okay. Uh, for us, you know, the earth comes first and then comes people and then we go, then we work for profits after that. So, you know, it's kind um, of one of those lesser known things that, you know, like in beer, the product that we make is very visual. It's, it's very yeah. social and, you know, we support bars and restaurants or, you know, they support us. We work together. Um, and so the product that we make is really sort of in the public's field of view. Yeah. But what's sort of lesser known is what, you know, you can hear it when Mark says it. He starts talking about, it. I never met a guy more grassroots in the literal and figurative sense right. of the word. <laughs> right. yeah. But, I mean, if for all breweries, especially ones that are uh, environmentally conscious, you know, as we try to be, a partnership like what we've got with Mark is is really what keeps the, the wheels turning, so to speak, yeah. in a brewery. So yeah. uh, if you think about it... Um, when we make beer, we use basically four ingredients, right? We got water, uh, which is, here we have the city of Tempe to thank for that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately, you know, our water's coming from Colorado, right? We yeah. get yeast, we got grain, and we got hops. Um, designer hops have been getting a lot of attention over the last little bit, and so we source those from all over the world thanks to FedEx and UPS, and the, the marvel of that sort of freighting has changed craft as we know it. Yeah. But what doesn't get quite as much attention but de- yet deserves it is what do we do with all those materials when we're done making beer with it? You know, right. many batches per day, we fill up these big tanks, we get it wet, and one day it turns into suds. The rest of it is in Mark's care, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, well, what do you do with all this? Do you just you just put it in the trash can and, and take out the trash at the end of the day? I mean, right. that, so that's kind of somewhat less responsible than what Mark's offering. So yeah. that intimate relationship that exists between brewery and farm, um, we would be literally up Chocolate Creek without a Popsicle stick. If it weren't for him and his, wow. his fleet of vehicles and his, yeah. and his ability to carefully reuse that product and not just care for it, but completely reimagine what those nutrients can be used for and as and makes an unbelievable product. Yeah. So we couldn't be more thankful for our for Riba Farms and what they, they I mean, they mean the world to us. So yeah. um, it's uh, it's fun to have an opportunity to shed some light on that because uh it exists behind the scenes for those that care to invest in that environmental, environmentally conscious sort of effort. Yeah. Um, but without groups like, literally without Mark Ryan and his team, uh, we just wouldn't be able to do what we do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for this event too because it's going to bring light to, to what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, well, we uh, haven't even farm. gotten to the event part. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. That's true. We will have a tour of the food rescue program and we'll show off the compost pile and and, and our theory on how it all works. We actually are working with six different breweries right now. Um, and there will come a time, I'm sure, where I won't be able to afford to take on any more breweries because they have such a large amount of waste product oh, wow. that okay. I can't turn it quick enough on my little property. Yeah. 
Um, at that time, I think, is when we start opening up the vision for some of the larger composters, like down in uh, Tucson, the, the tanks people. Um, they, they love this type of material. They have a post-consumer and a pre-consumer, but um, there is so much usable material in garbage or waste. The other part of our food rescue program will includes our restaurants, where we take all of their vegetable scraps, which we can recompost too. Again, we're just building more and more um, organic material that we spread over the desert soil, activates the soil, and then we grow. We just let, it's like layering a, a chocolate cake. Um, we just layer the soil over and over and over again, and all that material just leaches down into the soil with yeah. our hot desert sun. My neighbors um, are very patient and tolerant of <laughs> some of the smells that come out of our compost pile. I've Thank heard that gosh. about Dave, too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a very patient wife. You know, know, my one neighbor, she said she loves the idea of a farmer on the street, but doesn't like the idea when the wind blows the wrong way. And she said, it smells like I'm living next to a landfill. So when I get those kind of hints from my neighbors, I know it's time to go turn the pile and and do my thing. Like, listen, baby, that's uh, black gold over there. I live with their cows and their pigs and their donkeys and all the odors that come from farms. That's true. That's true. That sweet smell is very noticeable to the the, the, the tender nose. So uh, have you always been a farmer? Uh, no, I've only been farming for about 10 years. In okay. fact, this will be my 10-year anniversary, you guys. Hey, nice. Congratulations. Like, Happy anniversary. The event is like, oh, my God, can it be true? Yeah. Uh, before that, I was a broadband contractor. I worked for the phone company for 14 years. Okay. was very, very fortunate. We got out before the big crash hit, and uh, we sold it, uh, and we went from... 85 employees and offices in five different states and you know one day everything's gone the next day we get six people still with us we still kept some of the real estate and my ex-partner back then wanted he we jumped into the farming idea together actually it was microgreens he decided he didn't want to do it anymore because there just wasn't enough money in it yeah um, i felt completely fell in love with it not so much for the money aspect of it, just the, the process yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, you know, everybody, I talk to so many people that don't have a purpose. Um, yeah. They live their life without purpose. And I found mine. It, you know, it took me until I was in my mid 50s to figure it out. But yeah. um, farming is my purpose and I dearly love it. And now I've got another 10 years left in me for sure before I decide that the hardcore sweat and breakdown of, uh, you know, working in the desert heat is is uh, it's 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 an emotional terror. It's a body terror. It's a battle, and you know our, our food system is really broken. Yeah, yeah. Um, to feed people nutrient dense food, uh, you know, we we we're small. Um, our, we ask a lot of money for our food compared to conventional. It's organic. We're organically certified. We're GetGap certified, which is a food safety cert. And all those pieces come to play if you're going to sell food to the public. So um, that's probably where that's where my heart lies, and I'm just going to keep pounding it out there. But all of that takes money. Yeah. Building infrastructure. I mean, look at this beautiful stainless steel forest we're in right now. Um, this didn't come from nowhere. Right. I mean, right. everybody's got to invest where they have their passion. Um, you can tell I'm a very round guy, so I, I love my beer. I'm with you. I'm with you, yeah. Yep. He means emotionally round. He's very well-rounded. Well-rounded, yes. You know what I think is cool is we, we get a box every other week from Mark. So we get a farm box. It's huge. Yeah. Maybe and, describe what, what do you mean by a box. Uh, so we get it's 
what, like three feet by two feet? Oh, I'm ignoring that. It's two feet by two feet. By feet. <laughs> it's a big box. How big? It's, 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 it's a big. It's a big box. Two You're right. Box, yes. right? Am I exaggerating that? No, it feeds. It feeds a family of four for almost two weeks. For oh wow, yeah, no, for it's only, insane. So yeah, we get for a bar- twenty-five bucks. Yeah. That's it. We get duck eggs. Yeah. We get wow. chicken eggs, and we get a box of vegetables every two weeks. And I love, love, love to cook. It's something I've always yeah. been passionate about, and I love cooking healthy. And um, so we get our box. And I, for somebody that is. Pretty good cook, right? She's Dave, a wonderful cook, everyone. Dave, She's Dave, a wonderful cook. Dave, 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 and sometimes I even text Mark, and I'm like, what is in this box? And he's like, oh, that's da-da-da-da-da. So you don't know what you're getting either. Not, no, that's I just awesome. get every well, we, box. You we know get that you're, going, you're getting quality and you're getting fresh. Yeah. Totally, and but, I try to use it all. And I struggle so much to use it all because our mind frame, and this, and this is from coming from somebody who loves to cook, and most of what I make is homemade. And it's, it's a total mental shift of, okay, I have this box of food. And how can I use it instead of, well, I'm going to make pasta, and then I'm going to make tacos. and I'm gonna make, You have to, like, take your box think about your box and adjust your menu to the box and when you do it I mean the food is phenomenal and it takes research and it takes understanding it I took the uh was it the wasabi the wasabi greens yeah Yeah. I ground it down last week and made like a pesto so with like beautiful uh, wasabi and the Oh man, it almond it it, it forces her to be so creative you know and And it really she just kind of googles the the thing and of course there's a plethora of options for each but it just it it shifts your frame of mind where you're like well, I guess I kind of need to eat through this box of wonderfully green, fresh vegetables. <laughs> right. Oh, God man. Damn you know? it. Like, it, 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 it's kind of funny. Like, the first little bit, you look at it and go, okay, well, okay. I just wish the whole box was carrots because the carrots are delicious. Right? Right. Oh, the carrots <laughs> are phenomenal. And, you know, when you come from a, growing up in Phoenix, it's like all carrots are supposed to be an inch and a half long and nicely, perfectly round oh, yeah. and with no Soaked spots. Soaked in chlorine. And you're like, like ammonia. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second. <laughs> Gra- real carrots have, like, squiggles in them? Yeah. yeah. So when you start thinking about that and then all of a sudden you start getting, you know, he does a really good job of keeping it varied and keeping it fresh and so you know there's always a little bit of a treat in there and you're like oh what 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 could you do with this yeah you know and and um i guess i'm an amateur vegetable eater i'm a carnivore really (laughs) yeah yeah. who aspires to be healthier but um it's just a fun challenge and it it gives us we've been married god 14 years this next year and it gives us something it's really fun to try to get in the kitchen and 13 It will be for hey, you are a very no, good cook. If she keeps this up, it'll only be thirteen. <laughs> Michael Ann, you are a very good cook. I love your no, food it's so just much. It's just something fun. To it do. is the best best food ever. Bo- yeah, yeah. Read from the card, Michael. Read from the card. <laughs> yeah. So, so you said twenty five dollars for? Yeah, that's for our farm box. We have two different sizes. The the most criticism we get from the farm box is that they're too big. Right. They are, so, they're really horrible. big. It's so to we had off. to we had to cut it down. With our, our smaller box is called a half pint, okay, which is more for two people. Okay, but when we do a lot of the boxes, and for my CSA, which that acronym means Community Supported Agriculture, the farm box was a really nice catch-all kitchen sink kind of thing for all the extra harvest that we have. Um, well, when we, we, we serve about 30 restaurants here in town and we get their orders in weekly and we'll go out and pick the fields and we'll have quite a bit of leftover. And the farm box just became this natural challenge. And I actually have a chef's challenge box too um, that I put out on a weekly basis where I'll come up, since I'm a little guy, I've got to have that niche product. Um, so I got to come up with some really weird food. Yeah. Um, and they love the weird food. And, yeah. 
Wasabi uh, greens, for yeah, example. Wasabi yeah. greens, you know, everybody thinks wasabi, and, you know, first thing you think of is sushi, but these real wasabi is a root that's actually grown over years and years and years of time, and it's in, over in Japan, up in British Columbia. There, actually, I think there's a farm in Oregon also, but this is wasabi arugula, which is... It very, has a very similar taste, but and it grows like wildfire here. And it's nobody, a leaf, not a root. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's yeah. A, it looks yeah. like arugula. It's it's absolutely divine. Yeah, because and it's got that same. You kind of eat it, and you're like, oh, there's a little bit of kick to it, and it's like really, the horseradishy kind yeah. of kick. It's yeah. very, yeah. very It's complex. wonderful, and yeah. it, it yeah. grows like wildfire here. So um, there's quite a few of those foods that we have in our in our our armory, I guess, uh, that we like to grow. Um, and this year we took on the challenge of growing hops, where we'll be the only Ooh, hop farmer nice. down here. So. Our hop fields in production, uh, they're only about six inches tall right yeah. now, and I've got a lot to learn about hops. But my research in the hops world was, how do I find a hot weather hop? So believe it or not, they grow wild up in northern Arizona and also in New Mexico. So really? we picked up um, a Neo-Mexicana hop, which is actually native to New Mexico. Um, searching those out and trying to find those hop plants was extremely difficult. Like in the wild? Yeah, well, yeah. we actually, I bought them from uh, Great Lakes Hops, which is over in Michigan. Okay. And, of course, their hop period is way different than mine. I yeah. need I need hot plants in February, and they're still under four feet of snow. Right. <laughs> so um, it was a difficult run. This first year, I don't see us really getting a big production out of it, but other than a lot of schooling. The other hop that we'll be growing is called Fuggle, which is another uh, warm weather hop. And then we did get some... Uh, the more traditionals, which are called Cascade and Chinook. So we'll just, see how all that works. Um, we actually built, when you come out to the event, you'll see a giant infrastructure. Uh, there's quite a bit that goes with hops and the vines and how they grow. Yeah, nice. And the one thing I do love about the plant is that it, it keeps coming back year after year after year, and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So um, I want to be the only farm that sells hops. And, of course, I love all my brewery brothers and sisters. Yeah. So that will just make me even that much more. How cool will it be for these guys to grow with a local green hop? Yeah. Um, I mean, holy <laughs> yeah, we're, cow. We're pretty thrilled uh, to get to get a chance to get a crack at that, you know. Yeah. Well, I thought of about ten different names based off the fuggle. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know you guys will come up with some <laughs> awesome can art. Yeah. What the fuggle and stuff. Well, you know? so he mentions the event. <laughs> I, I mean, we've kind of been flirting with that topic. Yeah, yeah. What, like, this Saturday night, yeah, let's see what we got going. We're doing a field farm dinner. Field farm dinner, or farm well, dinner in the field. Oh, we called it dinner in the field. Dinner in the field. Dinner I was trying to remember what was dinner on the glass. The you take like a beer paired dinner and yeah. put it on steroids, <laughs> and then win a few competitions. This yeah. is that kind of dinner. So, like, instead of one brewery and one kitchen, um, you know, sort of pairing dish by dish, Mark's just gone way out of his way to use the. This is excellent fleet of talent that he's got, you know, that works with him. And we're just so fortunate to be a part of it and get to do a collab beer with each of the chefs. Yeah. So, you know, it's been really popular lately to be like people put their heads together and say, you know, what can two breweries do or what can a brewery in a bottle shop or what can a brewery in a, a restaurant come up with? You know, yeah. it's interesting when you put a brewery in a chef. Yeah. Um, and not just talk beer, also talk food and then talk about them going together. Yeah. So, um the, the chef list that, uh, list that Mark's compiled is just out, outstanding. Yeah. Um, and we're just so fortunate to be able to collaborate with each one of those chefs individually and then in the context of a whole group, create an experience that's just beyond 
I mean, for those that come in and join us on this event, it's the goal was to do something so next level that it, we just will be talking about it for years. Yeah. That's kind of the goal. So uh, yeah. we put an insane amount of energy into making sure everything not only highlights the produce, um, but that it's just detailed in every way. Not to mention the fact we get to sit out on a table and literally in the middle of a field in a farm. Like yeah. it's just one of those nights. It's just going to we're just so excited for it. I knew it was going to be good when I was told to bring a flashlight. And a plate. And a plate, yes. Well, so... so uh, I mean, it's a working let's talk, farm, right? Let's talk chefs. What, what, yeah. What yeah. yeah, well, I guess you could say our headliner is Chris Bianco, our That's James Beard Award winner for yeah. The yeah. Valley, and his several restaurants now. I think he's working four of them. Oh, really? He's got Pizza Bianco, Tratio, Raymond's is the new one. Pane Bianco? Pane Bianco, yeah. and... Isn't there one in Flagstaff, too? Oh, uh, no, no. You're thinking, I think you're thinking of a different restaurant. Okay. Uh, J- uh, Jason McGrath, who is now at the Fig and Fork out of Chandler. Um, we've also got David Trena from Liberty Market. Uh, Downtown Gilbert, Sasha Raj, our only female chef, which she stands right in there and fights it out with the boys. Um, from 24 Carats, and then Craig. How do I say Craig's last name? Is Ple- it Plevik? Uh, uh, yes. I think so. Plevik from Fire and Forged. Um, he'll be actually taking up. Actually, he starts from... Oh, with the appetizer out, out by it, the... Yep, uh, the canapes is what he calls yeah. them. And Micah. And Micah. Phoenix City Grill. Oh, I Phoenix forgot City Micah. Grill. Oh, Micah's yeah. going to kill me. <laughs> Micah Wislick from Phoenix City Grill. Yes. Yeah. Micah loves me. Sorry, Micah. <laughs> Micah, if you're listening, we love you. It was super <laughs> cool. They all uh, they all came here, was it, a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, not all of them because it's hard to get chefs. You know, they're so busy. And yeah. I, but we, we all got them here in the brewery. Um, and they all sat around and they talked about their dish and the beer and how it was going to work together and so it was really cool to have everybody kind of together and talk about it and it not just be kind of out there, but it was, it's really been collaborative throughout the process. Yeah. Well, so cool how did that work then? So uh, you guys are going to, you guys, and I like, I like the approach to it cause it's not a matter of, Hey, you guys make this. That's good. That would go good with church music. It was no, it's like, let's create something right from the ground up. Well, yeah. Okay. So in the Nate, I mean, the true nature of collaboration projects is that it just requires two people to, to see eye to eye and to share a few ideas, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the hope is that when you're talking about something that you really love with someone else who loves the same thing, you're going to have that in common. Yeah. You know, um, what's better is when you have longstanding friendships with people and working professional working relationships with people that you just adore, you know, and you look up to, you know, and so that's what makes collaboration projects so valuable. You know, it's like two artisans come together and it's like, hey, I'm I've carved out a niche over here in my area of discipline. And like we all do, we, we play to our strengths, right? Yeah. Um, and that's just that's just good strategy. It is. But for when sure. you when you're an artisan in that kind of way, be it food, be it beverage, be it farming, be it everything else. For those that are up for the challenge, it's a really really fun and valuable experience, as we've seen in the beer industry, right? Is to get together with like-minded folks that have completely different styles, and it's either they either contrast each other, and that's interesting or they complement one another and that can be super delicious and yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. um, but when you get sort of a spirit of, um, of fun behind it, you can cook up some of the weirdest, wildest stuff. It kind of frees you to try to do things that might be off menu. Um, so on this particular project, 
we've just got such a high level of respect for all these chefs. I mean, um, uh, Dave Trena is a guy I've looked up to and known for the last 15 years of my life. You know, I would like went there when he first opened and you know Which, Gilbert where is this, uh, this he's is at Liberty Market Liberty Market okay. so he uh, he's partners with uh, Joe Johnson out there okay yeah and uh, Joe's been instrumental in the development of some of the major properties out in Gilbert and and and, and Mike Lane and I used to live just down the street from there that, oh, nice. from that Gilbert kind of corridor Old Town Gilbert yeah and so when they opened Liberty Market uh, we, we just went we, I mean we not I don't know if we were cool enough to be open uh, there on opening night, but opening week for sure. <laughs> They're right? like, come back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we can see you tomorrow. <laughs> um, no, we were just thrilled to go out there and see something that, you know, at, at, at that time, uh, they're opening up and doing something completely fresh. Yeah. And that was, and you know, you fast forward all these 10 years later uh, and you see what it has become. Um, it's very cool to see someone who was talented then still showcasing that level of discipline and talent today, you know? Yeah. And so to see that is, is I mean, we're just, we're thrilled uh, to be with these guys, and you know, and like uh, when when Mike and I were first dating, we mentioned as a joke earlier we've been married coming up in all these years and dating about between 16, twelve to sixteen years, yeah. somewhere between eleven and fifteen. Um, I thought it was eighteen. <laughs> well, we'll edit that in. So, we've been but, for but, twelve years. But Pizzeria Bianco downtown, I mean, that was our spot. That was our date night getaway yeah. uh, from when we first met. And so to sit with Chris as someone that we've looked up to for all these years, and to sit across the table and be like, "All right, man, what do you want to make?" Yeah. And he goes, okay, well, I don't know. You're, you're the beer guy. I, <laughs> right. If you're talking yeah. pizza, I'm your guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Chris yeah. is funny like that. So, you know, we start talking ingredients. And, and, you know, to find some common ground, we go right down to the base level of ingredients. Yeah. Okay, where do you source your stuff? How do you make it? What, what, what You know, where is it coming from? And he doesn't, like, beat around the bush. Anyone knows Chris, he's right to the point, you know, yeah. and he's funny as can be. Yeah. But well, what are you working with? You got access to white wheat? And I'm like, Sonoran white wheat? And he goes, he just snaps his finger. He's like, bingo. He goes, I like it. Let's do that. Yeah. And so I'm like, so we're going to do a, um, we got some access to some really cool uh, South African hops. We're going to, we're going to do this uh, Sonoran white wheat pale. Um, and he's going to use the exact same ingredient in his pasta that he's going to do. So he's going to do a really delicate mushroom pasta and we're going to pair it with this just like, we're just really excited for that dish. But all the dishes that we're doing are all 100% custom things. They're off menu for us. Every single one. Yeah. Um, uh, for example, uh, we mentioned Micah earlier and, and he's got a smoked red beet dish. Um, that's going to be all, um, he's going to do his own pickling of farm fresh veggies. And then he's going to do some smoked red beets and it's going to be served up like medallion style. I mean, he's yeah. going to be like knife and fork kind of beets. So we're going to do a smoked, uh, classic German Kolsch to go with his, uh, to with his beets. Smoked Kolsch. I've yeah. even heard of that. that yeah. So awesome, we're, though. we're, um, we're, we're infusing mesquite smoke, uh, into a classic German uh, Kolsch style yeah. uh, recipe. So very crisp, very, very, uh, very clean and dry uh, on the finish. But the smoked element is going to be completely off menu and avant garde for that particular yeah. style. So with each of the dishes, we've really tried to celebrate. Well, what's really going on on the plate, right? Because yeah. the point of this whole exercise is to say thank you to Mark, and um, to you know really celebrate that relationship with Riba. And so all of us are trying to like let the attention be on the experience, but we're looking at that food and saying, how can we take these expertly grown craft vegetables and how can we just make them shine? Yeah. And so we're trying to, we're trying to pair things as respectfully as we know how to do yeah. using the things that, and ingredients that we love and, and accepting the challenge of working with these other chefs, yeah. but really doing something that is guaranteed to be one of a kind. So, uh, it's just so much fun. Yeah. That sounds pretty awesome because it's like, like when you guys are getting to the root, like you said, of, of what it is, you're using the same wheat. So it's not a matter of, hey, you know, 
typically an IPA goes well with a taco. You make a taco, we'll bring our IPA. It's completely another mm -hmm. level. It's fun to think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you start thinking of those ingredients and you're like, that food is so, uh, it's so special and unique and trying to celebrate that and give it a voice. It's fun. You're like, I can make beer with the same ingredients I make this pasta dish with. Yeah. I mean, I guess to some degree, beer is almost just liquid bread or pasta anyway. <laughs> it's liquid Totally well, I love is. it so much. Totally yeah. Is. It kind of is. Yeah. Can um, I have a side of bread with my liquid bread? <laughs> right. I would love <laughs> to serve you. A, can I put cheese yeah. on it? Yeah. Absolutely. Has anybody and made a cheese sauce. beer? Is a cheese beer something that's been created? I saw broccoli and cheese beer. Well, you get I was like, lactose in beer and lactose. I bet if you get online, cheese. you're gonna find some weird stuff on yeah. the internet. I'm oh, sure. yeah. oh yeah. I, I, I've heard of uh, yeast from beards, and I've heard of uh, all uh. sorts of oddities, but I don't. I can't say that I've heard cheese. Bro there's a broccoli and cheese bow wow or something. Hmm. Yeah. I try it. Yum. I try it one time. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Asap. <laughs> broccoli and cheese bill. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. Broccoli and cheese sour. <laughs> yeah. Barrel aged. And smoked. Write that down. Write that down. We're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, people will also be able to do a tour, you said, right? Tour yeah, the, we'll be doing grounds. tours uh, before the dinner gets started. Um, we'll walk everybody through. The, we grow uh, quite a bit of mushrooms on site. It's another indoor grow. Um, and so we'll walk the farm. I'll show everybody where everything's growing, what we are up to, what the fields do, how we turn the fields, um, give them an idea of the small scale farming is a really big deal. Um, and everybody always wants to know, you know, can organic farming feed the world? And I truly believe it can. We, we don't have a food growing problem. We have a distribution problem. So, um, Keeping things local, of course, is is going to be the best and the healthiest way. Least amount of transportation miles, better for the earth, um, better for everybody, and it's you know, better for our bodies. The meal will be an all vegetarian meal um, for those that are the hardcore carnivores that want a piece of animal with their dinner. <laughs> a piece um, of animal. They won't. We will not be sharing that with them. So, but we'll, it will be warm. So please dress appropriately. We are calling this the spring fling event i'm known for wearing a lot of tie-dye shirts and i kind of carry that old crusty hippie notion with me so <laughs> um we were hoping everybody would be dressed in bohemian but it will be warm so be prepared yeah you know dress light and uh have a good pair of shoes um we were had a lot of jokes about people showing up in high heels how much fun that might be watch, <laughs> yeah. to watch right. walking around the fields um it's very uneven ground so wear your flat shoes nothing crazy and like i said a flashlight will probably be necessary well, it's a true farm experience right it's I mean, the that's, true farm experience yeah and so, i think so that's where what a lot of people more info and tickets we'll go to the web page um click on our banner that says spring fling and it'll take you right to the the shopping cart in our web page and uh sign up we still have seats available we want to fill this thing up for the chefs we just harvested a ton of food for them so we're expecting about 100 people for the event should be a quite a bit of fun we're parking across the street at my neighbor's property on 10 acres we've actually got a valet service helping us with that so don't worry about parking or losing your car or any of that so um Although that's a good reason to keep your flashlight so you can go find your car. <laughs> that's true. The true. event starts at 5 o'clock and we'll wrap it up probably by 8 or so. Um, there might be some lingers after that. We'll see how the, the evening goes, but um, it should be a whole lot of fun. This is my first time doing this. I've gone to a couple of these style events before at other friends' farms and 
where they actually hired a, a third party company to do all the work and now I'm understanding why they did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a pain trying to coordinate all the rental equipment and trying to outthink what you're going to need yeah. to take care of a hundred people all the way down to how many restrooms and all that type of stuff. So yeah. um we hope to if this works well, um I'd like to do one every fall and every spring yeah. uh, and people can keep coming out and seeing what we're doing. And I, I think the more people we get involved that actually can see their food growing, they meet the people that grow their food, they'll have a completely different appreciation. And they'll, I mean, if we could just change our, 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 our thinking, uh, even when you go to a farmer's market, uh, now the farmers markets are even plagued with non-growers, they're resellers, where, uh, and those guys are not, but they're still saying it's local. Um, you know, fall in love with your farmer, give him a big hug, whether it's a, a man or a woman. There's plenty of great women farmers out there, and there would be a lot of farmers at this gig too. So, um, but I think it's really the best way for all of us to to live. Uh, you know, know where your food is, know your know your food, know your farmer. Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, and like you were saying, too, I mean, like uh, when you originally started your partner, the guy that you were talking about partnering with, there was there was no money in it. Right. right. So you're you're not doing this to get rich. You've got that true passion. And, right. And stuff like this is something that really helps you um, raise the funds that you need to continue to, to do infrastructure. This, right? And, in, you know, innovation is really key in farming in today's yeah. world. So uh, just getting through this summer, we'll probably spend five or six thousand dollars on refrigeration equipment, just yeah. keeping it repaired. Right. Um because as you know, the, the big blast hasn't gotten here yet. Um, probably poor planning on my part. I could have done this a month earlier, maybe, <laughs> um, to make that easier, but it didn't happen that way and we're still gonna make the best of it, so. Yeah. So what, you may have said it before, but what was the web address and, and the phone number? It's ribafarms.com, www.ribafarms.com. The phone number is 480-987-9393. That's the farm office. Please leave a message. Um, we go to work, but you're probably still asleep when we go to work. So um, that's really the time to call us is between 5 and 7 a.m. Um, if not, we're out in the fields. Okay. All of our food is harvested before 10 a.m. And then we're cleaning and packaging to get it out to our friends. Oh, are we doing any walk-ups? Or do we have to buy all the tickets ahead of time? I didn't remember if we did that. Um, we haven't talked about walk-ups. I do have the ability to do it. Um, but calling's but, probably better, right? Yeah, calling's probably better, and then we'll push you right back through the website, and we'll get your tickets that way. Uh, we'll, we, I mean, I have a credit card machine and all the stuff necessary to do the walk-ups. So. Yeah, we'll yeah also, and then we've got commemorative glassware. We've got some really cool, Mikey did such a cool project with the with the commemorative, like, logoed glassware as a takeaway for everybody. Nice. And, uh, it's going to be really special. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I'll put the uh, the link to the tickets in the show notes of this too. Um, if you go to uh, Riba Farms, um, there you go. At uh, Is Instagram, that, that's R H I R H I B A Riba Riba Farms at Riba Farms on Instagram, and the link is right there in the or the Facebook page. All of it will have links that will bring you right back to the web page into the shopping cart. It's going to be super cool. I mean, yeah. how awesome you get to go to a facility and get all your senses fulfilled in one thing. I mean, you get to go out to the farm. You get to see, uh, you know, the, the beer that's being drank uh, is in the soil from the compost that help make the vegetables, yeah. from the chefs that use it in their restaurants that are coming in. You get to meet Mark. You get to see. Th- I mean, I've gone out to his farm probably four times, um, and it's, it's an experience. The first time out there, I, I was just totally eyed open 
uh, eyes open on on what was happening and out there. And it's a really cool thing. And it's a bit of a drive, but you got to have that to be here in the valley to go do that. And it's going to be totally worth it to go and see this whole circular event of these guys uh, did a beautiful beat beer using my beats, and they came out and picked the yeah. beats. Beat it's just beer. like. Uh, Okay, so where are the beats? Bohemian Sunshine <laughs> was our <laughs> special yeah, release yeah. last okay. uh, two yeah. seasons ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, such a fun project to take a reasonably mm-hmm. avant-garde uh, item, sweet red uh, beats, and turn it into something special. And um, Picked them, f- chucked them, washed them out in the field with Mark. Oh, man, <laughs> it, yep. it's cool. But, you know, it's fun to have that sort of farm to, to bottle, in that case, uh, experience, which we've done many projects with Mark, but um, uh, that one was really special. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. It was a good beer, too. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Really good beer. Yeah. Yep. Awesome, guys. Thanks for, for doing this. Uh, this Saturday, the 19th. You got it. At the farm. At the I'll farm. There. Everybody listening. Chickens clucking in the background. Chickens clucking in the background. And, and for ducks carnivores, t- stay away yeah, from the yeah, chickens. Eggs only. Exactly. Eggs only. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Preciosa, y cuando se va de casa.